0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by HH Bespoke Spirits, a fashionable portfolio of unique spirits, including bespoke gin, rum, and vodka, inspired by the rich cultural history and distinctive style of the Harlem Renaissance. Learn more at hhbespokespirits.com. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you stories about how Gen Z
2: is different from their millennial predecessors through the lens of food.
0: My knowledge of alcohol didn't really come from like Bud Light commercials or like Project X.
1: Yeah, and that's my gripe with the platform as well, is that all these DIY videos, cooking videos, they're 20 seconds.
2: What's one food item from your childhood that you wish you could have today? Dunkaroos, because they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Although... The Dunkaroos' Twitter was activated again a year ago, so it's only a matter of time. They've tweeted a couple times. It's pretty hype.
1: Listen to Meet in 3, HRN's food news and storytelling roundup wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So you don't, don't shun the, the, devil, the, devil, the devil, devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows road that road country music's gonna be save be your soul, the road devil road runs.
4: Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte.
5: And my name is Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. <laughs> hey, fellas. <laughs> Greg, you sound... Hey, everybody. You sound further away than normal. Where are you? I'm, ki- okay. I'm
3: killing it today. I am up in the Finger Lakes. Uh, I finally got... Came to my senses and was like, you know what? It's it's weird. It, I, I didn't realize it was summer and I feel like I'm not alone in this of just kind of like my, my mental calendar being stuck somewhere in mid-spring... So I kind of was like, "Holy shit! It's it's August. I've been to the beach once, twice if you count the time I got there just in time to watch the thunderstorms rolling in off the ocean. I haven't really done much, so I finally, you know, did did the smart thing and got the hell out of Brooklyn. And uh, right before this, I was enjoying a lovely late morning, early afternoon gin and tonic on the dock, and that's probably what I'll be doing after this.
5: Nice. Yeah! Wow, that uh, that smokes everything I've got going. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you find a new place yet? You were talking about. Uh, no, I've been looking around. Um, I will say that we were speaking off air, and um, you know, I have to move out of my apartment because I can't uh, justify living here with the salary that I'm going to be taking in for the foreseeable future. So, um, you know, I made the sort of business decision to move out of the apartment that I've been in for a while. Um, but I will say this: this that the one the, where you almost uh, lost your hand, right? No, no, oh, no. I've been out of that one for okay. a while. Come on. That <laughs> was just a finger. Don't, over, don't over-exaggerate. don't over Come on. Uh, so, uh, But I will say this. I've been looking um, periodically, and my most recent search for apartments uh, has shown that there has now suddenly been a dramatic drop in uh, um, rental prices. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking to move. I'm looking for a, an apartment with an outdoor space, which, frankly, will probably mean that I'll end up paying the same that I currently pay, but that amenity will be... Um, you know, we'll kind of abate the fact that I'm probably not going to be going out. So I'll have a, hopefully have a space to kind of grill or maybe even invite other people over um, and you know have some social interaction within my uh, apartment. But, nice. but yeah, I've got to move out of the place that I live for sure uh, by November.
4: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you got a little bit yeah. of time.
5: And speaking of domiciles, uh, just last week you had not one, (laughs) not two, but three trees fall on your new house. Oh, yeah. I mean,
4: you're talking about the rents being pretty good in New York right now. I'm like, oh, maybe it's a sign that I should move back. But uh, (laughs) yeah, Um, last. (laughs) That's not the sign the universe gave you. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. So almost died (laughs) last Tuesday night. Um, uh, The house had just moved into this mid century modern house in Fairfax, California been there since 1954 and basically what happened was like they built the house around these three giant oak trees i can't imagine how big they were back then but they're gigantic well they were gigantic until they were cut down uh from emergency workers having to uh you know respond to this call uh basically like uh like around midnight ish on tuesday night um i uh i just put in my my airpods my noise canceling headphones and i was listening to some music and all of a sudden uh the guitars were a little bit more loud and distorted, and the drums were heavier. And and I realized, holy shit, uh, this like two hundred foot tall, like two hundred year old oak tree had fallen. Uh, one of the upper branches, like which is basically the size of a tree, a normal size tree, had broken oh. off randomly. It wasn't dead or anything. Broken off, fallen, t- and took down two other oak trees on its way down. And they crushed the master bedroom, uh, the carport, the garage. Uh, luckily, like everyone was okay. My brother and Carrie were in the master bedroom, and uh, yeah, it, like if those other two oak trees hadn't been there to break the fall of the biggest one, then who knows what? I probably wouldn't be here. Um, but everyone's okay. All the classic cars, all the Harleys, they made it safely. The only thing that the guitars, Damon, the, the, guitars. the guitars are all in the studio. The only thing that really, like, uh, other than the house being, like, you know, the front of the house being crushed, uh, the only thing that really took a hit was uh, my sister in law's ten year old uh, Volkswagen Jetta, which she was planning on getting a new car anyway, and uh, yeah, so that got totaled, and so yeah, and so now she's got some insurance money. Hey, you know, like I am always like the silver lining guy, right?
5: I was about to say, bring on the bright and, side. Uh, you know, I I know there, I know there is yeah,
4: one. And so, like, I'm I'm staying at at my girlfriend's place right now, and you know, spending a lot of time with her, and it's great. Uh, it's a test run for for us because we're planning on getting a place of our own and moving in together. So, yeah, all good stuff, man. I mean, as good as it can be out of that situation. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been it's been really nice. You know, neighbors have been coming by with like bottles of booze and like and gift cards to like you know, grocery stores and restaurants around the, the neighborhood. And I'm like, well, great. I don't have anywhere to cook the groceries, but, uh, I know that they also have booze there. So that, you know, it's, it's been good. I've had a couple other people send me bottles. So I've got a great full bar right now, but, uh, you know, it's all, it's all in my, uh, my ice chest, in my, in my bag. Uh, so where, wherever I end up, uh, I've got some nice gifts. So thanks to everyone who's sent me some nice, uh,
5: <laughs> nice well, I mean, you sent us some photos last week, and, uh, you know, I'm really shocked to see the damage that it did, and I'm very happy that, of course, uh, all of you are safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and that there is some silver lining hey, that mean that, uh, ins- that insurance is going to help your sister-in-law get a new car that she was already planning to get well, that insurance on the place is going to help you remodel what you were already planning yeah, to do exactly. it's kind of like exactly uh, a little bit of uh you know i mean weirdly weirdly serendipitous yeah i mean they were already going to have one to do might, some One might one might think it was planned I, well yeah I was, was going to mm. say man, <laughs> like
4: the timings. the oak tree only hit the jetta you said yeah exactly <laughs> I mean, they were already planning on remodeling and doing a bunch of stuff to it, so, like, I, this is actually going to, like, help. They're going to have to do some, like, foundation work, but now, of course, like, you know, if a giant oak tree falls on your your property, you can't really be like, oh, I don't know. Like, they, they, they can't be like, oh, yeah, the foundation was a problem before, so you got to deal with it. It's like, no, nah, you got to really have really have to do everything. You can't do any, like, renovation work or, like, any kind of rebuilding on a broken foundation. So, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. It's like... You know that mo- movie, The Money Pit? It's kind of like that, but like, like a very <laughs> yeah, positive yeah, that's, that's way. Yeah, that's,
5: that's what I modeled my bar after that movie. <laughs> I think we all have, right?
4: <laughs> but uh, yeah, everyone's okay, so that's good. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking about that too. Like, I was like, man, you know, I could always, like, I guess I could road trip back to New York. Because if I, And if I fly back there, you know, i got to do the quarantine for 14 days. I guess... I could sneak by if I, dri- you know, and I'm all about the road trip right now. I think, you know, I think a lot of people have been doing a lot of road tripping anyway because it's kind of the only safe way to get out there. So,
5: yeah, I'm following Wayne Curtis's stories on his Instagram. He's traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast with his niece, uh, and it's pretty fascinating to watch. I don't know what's going on right now here though. Is, it, is Are we? Are we escaped from New York or are we escaped to New York? Which, which yeah, way are we exactly. going right now? Yeah, it, it exactly. Escape like a to. Uh,
4: I can you know I can drink in a parking lot anywhere, but uh, <laughs> but I do miss New York, <laughs> so yeah.
5: Uh, Greg, who we got in the virtual studio with us today so we can get this show on the road. uh, Well,
3: speaking, speaking of New York, we have two folks who have been involved in a a couple projects you might've heard of throughout the city over the years. Uh, Pegu Club, Clover Club, Leyenda. Joining us, we have, uh, Julie Reiner and Tom Macy. Uh, and they're going to talk about a new project they've got in the work called Social Hour Cocktails. What is going on, you two? How are you?
6: Hi there. Hi. Hey, welcome
4: back to the show, y'all.
6: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Damon. Thanks, Sother. Yeah, it's
4: nice to, to hear your
5: voices. It really yeah, is. Likewise. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, we've been doing this now for several well, months at this point, uh, where we're doing it remotely, and it's a little bit more awkward than being in studio where we can see each other, but yes, it's very nice to hear your that's, voices. That's relative, you know. I haven't, relative, seen, you, you haven't know. seen either one
4: of you in months. I, I find it awkward <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looking across the table at the uh, studio at you every week, Sother. so I don't know. This is better to me. Uh,
5: at least at, at least I had a shirt on. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um well guys, I guess the first thing I would ask, you know, is uh Describe a little bit about what's going on with your with your bars um, during the pandemic. Like, how are you coping with all of the you know restrictions and yeah. and new new things that pop up every day uh, here to, to try and eke out some kind of business? I know we're all uh, you know struggling, yeah, but we're all in the What's trenches. going on with you guys? It's been
6: quite yeah. a quite a roller coaster, uh, to say the least. I know, Souther, I've seen you know you, you've been going through it as well. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's been challenging. I I will say that, you know, this is something that I never, uh, saw coming ever, you know? And, uh, so I think in the very beginning it was just really shocking, you know, and, um, we've just, and every two weeks it changes, you know, we, we opened for to go cocktails and then, you know, and then we were able to, uh, or we were selling to go and bags, you know, and then we were able to put a table at the front door and we were doing cocktails in cups, and then we were able to have some tables outside, you know? So we've just been kind of pivoting with what we're allowed to do and trying to, uh, you know, bring in as much as we can to maintain our businesses. Um, thankfully we're in a neighborhood that, um, support, you know, that is that there are people there and there are people working from home and, you know, unlike a lot of, uh, the other bars, like in the city or financial district that who are really Mm -hmm. out of luck. Um, we have people rooting for us in Carroll gardens and Cobble Hill. So that's been, that's been great.
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah. I I was talking to someone yesterday about who uh, was uh, walking around Manhattan and certainly Midtown and just how it's, uh, it made me really appreciate what Julie just said, that there is uh, a lot of support around here. So while it's tough, I think we're one of the lucky ones.
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough everywhere. You know, I've uh, I've been doing a bit of delivery on my uh, stupid little electric scooter, uh, and when I get over into Brooklyn, it's uh, it seems like a whole different world. You know, when I'm in Manhattan, it's very, uh, you know, there's plenty of sidewalk uh, cafes and, and and parking lot cafes that are going on, but they're not nearly as bustling, um, or you know, or still there aren't as many people literally walking around on the streets as when I get into Brooklyn. It's I think there's a lot of people who who, who bailed out. You know, uh, they, they just jumped ship. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's always funny to me. I always remember, like you know, having customers come in to like Prime Meats back in the day and be like, "Oh my god, what? This is crazy! I've, like this is the first time I've been to Brooklyn in like seventy years, and like, why would anyone live here?" And I'm like, "Why would you live in Manhattan?" You know, like. I know. Yeah. <laughs>
6: it's so true. Yeah, and it's been. Um- Yeah. So it's been, it's been, in that that sense, it's been, it's been good. It's also been really tough, you know, um, in the very beginning when we first were able to do this, it was like the owner show, you know, Tom would come in one day and do all the batching and then I would come in the next day and, you know, put all the cocktails in bags for the orders and organize the orders and then stand at the front door. And when people would walk up, I would grab their bag and set it on the table and then back up six feet and let them grab it, you know? It, it's, it, it's crazy and then and then once we were able to open it was Tom and Christine and myself uh, and KJ and Sue just kind of doing everything um, you know and down to like waiting tables outside. so it's yeah. it's exhausting.
2: <laughs> Speaking of, of silver linings I, I said early on obviously there's a few more staff now but <clears throat> I said one of the only silver linings like back in May, was it because I did all of the bashing? Was that my, like, sort of meticulous, obsessive sens- sensibilities? Uh, it was kind of satisfying... To have made literally every cocktail in Clover Club for like two months, <laughs> you know, it's quite a feat. Yeah, I was just like, yes, these are all perfect, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, other than that, it's, yeah, it's been. I, we often say it's like, oh, we're opening our third restaurant in like eight weeks, you know, because it's just a totally new format and new system. And right. Sometimes the system will change, you know, hours apart. Like I remember, <laughs> I think. It was maybe when we were opening, I call it the table bar, when it was the, the table right at the door when yeah. people could just get cocktails to go. And we had this whole system set up and then like on Friday night at the end, Julie and I were like, this doesn't really make sense. Uh, we should do it this way, <laughs> you know. And so like the whole day had been spent prepping for this table bar and then we had to change it all for the next day. And it was the right call, but it was just, yeah, you're just making it up on the fly.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like a uh, hundred days pass, and it's a hundred new businesses. Every single day is a brand new approach. How do you? Uh, well, how isn't the right word? Do you? Is there sustainability to this? How long do you think you can continue in this in this current state of state of affairs?
6: Um, you know, I mean. Right now, I mean, we're we're maintaining for sure. We're lucky also in that our landlord uh, has been very fair and has reduced our rent for the rest of the year. You know, so, uh, you know, financially, the places should be able to, uh, to sustain themselves. Um, who knows what's going to happen when it gets cold out right now. It's right. Sort of like we know that we'll have tables outside through October. Um, and but then what? You know, so I don't know. We'll see what happens November, December, January, February, you know, we, who, who can say, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we were it's actually,
4: like, yeah. we were actually looking into, for Grand Army, like looking into getting like, because we set up our, our like, luckily we got lucky because uh, State Street is part of the Safe Streets Initiative. I saw um, that. So like, we basically have a, a full block of, pe- people will just like bring their lawn chairs out and, and blankets and stuff and like set up in the middle of the street like down the block and grab stuff from grand army and it's like all right cool that's great our patio section's a a block long but um but we were wondering about like what the uh what the legalities are with like putting a tent up and having like uh space heaters and stuff like that because i know southern don't you have a tent up kind of like a canopy over your tables
5: I've got a canopy, and yeah, we we've considered that, but again, it's just throwing maybe good money after bad. At that point, you know, we don't we don't necessarily think we're going to wind up paying for all the furniture that we already bought because we didn't have any of that. Right. We don't have tables and chairs and any yeah. of that stuff. Um, and also to keep heat, you'd, you'd want to put you know some kind of again less than a canopy, more of a tent. You'd want to kind of have quote unquote walls, and that's that's the whole point of being outside. So. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's something we would even consider, even those sort of stand-up propane heaters there. Well,
6: you, yeah, and There's. you can't – So and we know this because at Leanda we actually bought – propane heaters like in past years and the fire department came in and we're like no 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 you're not allowed to do that and no. gave us a ticket and you know so you it has to be electric if you do have heaters in which case you know then you're running electric on the sidewalk out to your parking space and I'm sure we'll get a ticket for putting something across the sidewalk so you right. know it's it, I don't know that that's going to be possible either but um you know I mean I know that For Tom and, you know, for all of us, like we've, you know, I have all these side hustles going to actually make money to support my family, you know, because (laughs) Susan and I both, all of our eggs are in the same basket and we're not going to be able to pay ourselves out of the bars for the rest of the year. You know, yeah,
5: Julie. I'm 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 curing salmon and selling salmon on the yeah, side. Yeah, uh, I'm doing wow.
6: like Zoom cocktail classes. I'm, I'm yeah, now sure. a global brand ambassador. I, you know, I'm like I had all of these irons in the fire back in in like March and April when I was freaking out, uh, and and then they all came to fruition, and now I'm running around like an idiot, but but that's good. I'm like I'd rather that. Um, yeah. Than the other situation of just going into debt over
5: the course of the year, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's daunting, and it's definitely uh, keeping me awake at night. I, the analogy that I've used over and over is that I feel like I'm trying to solve one of those giant, uh, you know, Einstein chalkboard problems. But there are several of the variables that are simply missing. But my brain won't stop trying to solve it, right. even though I don't have those numbers. So I'm getting no no good rest or sleep. You know, I'm just constantly, you know toggling between what could be and what might be and what goes on. Um, Schools are probably going to reopen and they're not going to, it doesn't look like they're going to allow restaurants to reopen, which I think seems, you know, strange. I'm not ready to reopen. I'm curious to know if you are, like personally, I haven't really been, I've been to two places that do outdoor and I've kind of like not had the greatest experience at either one. Not not for any fault of theirs, for fault of my own. I'm not ready. Yeah. How how do you guys feel? Are you ready to have people back inside? Are you ready to go back inside yourselves? I'm
6: not ready yet to have people back inside. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's even we were when, glad you know, when they
2: postponed it. Yeah.
6: Yeah. When they did, uh, you know, the date that they did have, we were like, I think we'll wait. Uh, you know, and then yeah. they postponed it from there, which we were thankful for. Um and even you know it's like I, I Tom and I both have kids um you know and Maya uh, my daughter's 11 and she's going into sixth grade and uh, I, we don't even know if we're gonna actually send her to in school learning because we talked we've talked with other parents and you know. And most so many of them are just n- not sending their kids, you know, and I think that also they the I think the idea with uh, the government was that it's sort of like either schools or restaurants because they know that there's going to be a spike when one or the other reopens. And they just they chose schools.
5: <laughs> they, they chose to throw the kids yeah, out. Front. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kids like
6: no alcohol
5: involved in school so (laughs) right uh which seems just patently madness to me um uh, we're at a point where we should probably take a quick break and hear from our sponsors but we're going to come right back and keep talking to julie reiner and tom macy about your pretty exciting new project social hour cocktails we'll be right back stay tuned
1: This episode is brought to you by H.H. Bespoke Spirits, a fashionable portfolio of unique spirits including bespoke gin, rum, and vodka. The family behind the award-winning boutique and clothing brand Harlem Haberdashery has expanded to distill spirits inspired by the rich cultural history and distinctive style of the Harlem Renaissance. The black and family-owned H.H. Bespoke Spirits are available at bars, restaurants, and retailers across the United States. Learn more at HHBespokeSpirits.com and follow them at HH Bespoke Spirit.
4: And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we have Julie Reiner and Tom Macy. And we were just talking about the current woes of bar and restaurant ownership and what we're doing to kind of like navigate the 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 current weather in in this case um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting th- like so there's so you were saying before the break that uh you know you feel like you're you've got this giant chalkboard and you're trying to do this huge uh problem without a lot of the variables plugged in but you know i i uh, i kind of find it exciting i mean like i i hate to be like the, the silver lining guy on this.
5: I, I love oh, how God. you do this to me every time. I, I, it's it's kind of
4: fun. I mean, like it reminds. Me, okay, so I'm like,
5: doom and gloom. You are positivity, yeah. and Greg is color commentary. No, but, uh, but my, yeah, <laughs> Greg just Greg just calls the place. Yeah, exactly.
4: But you know, like it's. I think the most like one of the most fun things about owning a bar, running a bar, is opening the bar, and you know, like putting it together and figuring it out and like getting it, getting it open. And this feels like, like someone said, like before the break, uh, kind of feels like you've kind of opened up like several different businesses, like, you know, week to week, day to day, sometimes hour to hour. And I was just like kind of making it work. Grand army's not, you know, thinking about it because we closed for a couple of months to try to figure out what we were going to do. But I can't say that we reopened grand army. We just opened up a different business altogether with some of this, some of the similar bones, you know? And, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of, inter- I think, especially in New York City, that's kind of, like, becomes instilled in you, you know, like, that's the the New York hustle is very real, and, like, you you are kind of forced to find a way, not just in, like, business ownership and management, but, like, just in any kind of day-to-day thing, you know, trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B, is there, like, you know, like, is there a easier way, a better way to do this, probably not, but but you find the way to do yeah. it, you know, so... I don't know. Um,
5: sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you're you're definitely right, Damon. Uh, um, it, it, there are some parts of the, of this that that I consider challenging, um, and in in that sort of way, that's exciting and keeps you moving forward. But at the same time, there are parts of this where I think this isn't a challenge; it's a hardship, and we're all going right. to face it exactly, whether we want to or whether we want to. Or I'm not. just here
4: for the positivity,
5: man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you, too, you love you, the yin to the yang for for real.
4: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I fucking love you. I'm, wearing,
3: I'm wearing tie-dye uh,
4: pajamas right now, okay?
3: If that tells you anything. <laughs> of course you
5: are. <laughs> and Southern, are you used to wearing the shirt that says, fuck it, let's drink? Uh, yeah, fuck this, let's go. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, fuck this shit, let's get drunk. Um, listen, uh, so speaking of getting drunk, or at least catching a nice buzz, uh, Tom and Julie, you guys have been working on a project for years, kind of under the radar, and man, what a great time to bring it to fruition. <laughs> yeah. Social Hour Cocktails is now your RTD, ready-to-drink cocktail line that you've put out. Um, let's talk about that. Uh, what, what was what was it like being in R&D, and, and how did it get to market, and where can we pick them up?
2: Um, so, uh, you know... Uh, seven years ago or so, I was tinkering around with the gin and tonic recipe and, you know, trying to isolate all the best ways to make one, carbonation ratio, getting the gin cold, and I just sort of realized, like, why can't I just get this already pre-mixed? Like, it seems like it it would be a no-brainer, you know? And then that was kind of the spark that led me down this whole rabbit hole of, uh, you know, just like one step after the other, I would ask people questions, be like, have you ever thought about this or what about that? And a lot of times people are like, nah, that's not possible. But, You know we just kept finding little ways to clear these hurdles Um, and then about i guess three years ago um, or so i talked to alan katz uh, at the new york distilling company who makes uh, rye whiskey and gin and i just kind of floated the idea which it had kind of crystallized at that point of doing you know carbonated highball style cocktails like a gin and tonic or a paloma or a whiskey ginger and he was like, yeah, that's, you know, let's talk about it. And I remember him saying, though, it's like, I will say that people come to us all the time with projects or ideas to either use their space or use their products or collaborate. And I can't remember the number, but it was a lot. And he was like, you know, only one of them has made it to market. And like one maybe is going to come to you later this uh, year. And it kind of made me realize, like, oh, they think this is going to be a lot harder than we,
3: I We And we lost,
4: uh...
2: Oh, yeah, because, uh, I used to yeah, We We got into but, real R&D from there, and it was, uh we can talk more about it, but I'll just say that it, uh, was a very arduous process to get them perfect. Um, and we wanted them to be as good as a cocktail that we would put on our menu at Clover Club. Um, so the bar was very high and you know, it was like learning a new way to make a cocktail. I mean, you'd think, yeah, gin and tonic, that should be a slam dunk, but it's a whole new set of tools. Uh, I sort of feel like it's like, you're not quite like learning to learn, speak a new language, but it's like speaking the new language, but all the words are spelled differently. You know, like usually we'll, <laughs> when we make a cocktail, it's like, oh, this just needs a little more simple syrup or this needs a dash of bitters. But like those are not, that's not how you do R&D for this type of thing. So we did all that. We got right, I'm, I'm, Sorry, go ahead.
5: I'm kind of, sorry, I'm kind of fascinated by the notion of the scaling of a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sure that's kind of what you're alluding to when you say, you know, it's not just a matter of adding a little bit more simple syrup or what have you. It's the fact that you're thinking, well, this isn't a cocktail. This is, this isn't even a batch of cocktails. This is, this is a thousand cock, 10,000 cocktails. I don't know. How does that even, how does that factor in? I'm sure you have uh, experts that you're, that you're working with once you get to that level. But like, it just, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Well,
2: I will just say quickly, like on it, and we haven't gotten to a huge scale point. So I'm sure this is naive of me to say, but it feels like that's, Maybe not the easiest part, but it's not the hardest part because it's a, um, it's a formula recipe that is easy to replicate. That's why we wanted to do it because we're not, we're using shelf stable things. Um, we're not making lime juice. You know, Julie and I taught, we're never going to do something where we would compromise the quality of an ingredient, um, like citrus juice. So for the most part, um, it's a spirit and it's, we have our sugar and our acids and our natural flavors and, um, all meticulously dialed in to the exact, you know, uh, amount, and those can scale fairly easily whether you do a thousand gallons or ten thousand gallons. Um, The hard part is, you know, you've got to sell them and, oh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff there, but it can scale. Uh, You just got to set up the mechanism to do it, and those exist.
5: Right. Well there are people there are people out there who've been doing this for you know for a long time and so I'm sure you, you reached out to them. How do you get in touch with those folks? What are those processes? Like how did you go from cocktail napkin idea to I'm um, perfecting the drink to who's gonna can this thing or, or whatever?
2: I, I'm trying to be brief. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <and> this is simple. <laughs>
5: I mean it's a talk show.
2: We could talk. No, 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 don't give me an opening. Uh I mean uh, I mean so We call it uh, we
6: call it getting canned when you walk yeah. in and Tom starts talking to you about can about our cans. It's like oh this has been like years in the process You're and get in the He was and and Tom really, really took the lead on the development and you know he and I did a lot of the tasting of various you know we we did so many different Variations on the gin and tonic and the whiskey mule um, to get it exactly where we wanted where we're raising the ABV or we're adding a little bit more of a citrus note to it because we wanted it the to spritz. be and the
2: spritz oh my god the
6: spritz and the spritz and we wanted it the <laughs> spritz was the hardest one but we wanted it to be delicious out of the can or poured over ice so if you're at the beach you know you crack open the spritz or the gin and tonic and it has enough acidity that you're not like oh I wish I could pour this over ice and put a lime on it it needed to be perfect out of the can too but yeah Tom, so you'd walk in and, and Tom would, be like, it would be I like haven't a 40 haven't heard this phrase yet. Yeah. Getting, so we'd come home and be like, oh, I got canned by Tom.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this makes it sound like I'm, like, hiding behind the bar and I'm just like, ha there's nowhere for you to go. You have to talk to the about this now. Um, which is kind of, like, not that far from the truth. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, no, it's like I, I especially once we got into the... Um, so, so basically, Alan uh, put us in touch with a, a number of flavor houses, which um, you know do a wide variety of products, and um, they are just these massive companies that, and I had no idea going into it, I had my first conversation with a representative, that I was talking to just this major high up person, and I was essentially pitching the project, and I was being, anyway, I had no idea how high the stakes were, which is probably good, um, but they agreed to, uh, to work with us on this project, and they appointed this project manager. Um, this guy who really became like this father figure because he uh, he, they basically appoint this guy to help these small businesses not just develop their products but navigate all you know production and um, just puts you in touch with people about distribution and all kinds of things and I learned a lot through that and I started you know basically uh, that I learned what I was doing was you know starting a business and that I was an entrepreneur which I don't think had crystallized and so to that point, I just thought I was making cocktails, and so I started listening to you know more podcasts about business, and I just uh, it lit this crazy fire that um, I just thought about it all the time for you know every day for however long it took, and that's why I would ambush people you know at work because <laughs> I was having <laughs> these conversations with myself all day long. Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, you know, you it, it's uh, it's kind of like the bar industry; it's where you you meet people you talk to them and you tell them what you're thinking about what you're working on and you have a conversation then they'll be like you should talk to this person and then it just kind of leads you know some yeah. things lead to something else and you just it's the about other, filling out all the blanks
6: the other thing I, I would add to that too is that you know early on like we we saw some canned cocktails and we bought them because we, we wanted to, we were like "No, oh, let's see what people are doing and we realized that most of the ones that had juice in them were pretty terrible because, you know, what they have to do to put lime juice or mint or, you know, and we're like, oh, this is awful. Or it's just not as good as what you could make on your bar. You know, there there was that. Or the ones that were like gin and tonics or, you know, vodka sodas or whatever, the, the ratios are completely off on these drinks. You know, they're, they're making them in 12 ounce cans. And if you do the math on it, it's like, you know, you look at the ABV, and it's like an ounce and a half or two ounces of the spirit, and then ten ounces of club soda or ten ounces of tonic. That's not a gin and tonic, you know. So yeah. you know, we were just like, we can so we can do this so much better, and that was you know, yeah. the other right. Catalyst. And
2: yeah, and yeah. So yeah, as as Julia said, it's so like yeah, we just we thought we could do it better. Um, and, but yeah, the can size and anyway, you know, carbonation and it's it. There's a lot of there's just tons of problems to to solve, and um, sometimes they end up being bigger ones, uh, or, you know, or you know, or obvious answers. But
4: the thing that's always gotten me about this is like I've I've been a, a spirits judge for the WSWAs in like Vegas and in New York, and I think once in San Francisco, and I know Julie's done that a bunch too. Yeah. And and uh, you know, it's it's it's. It sounds like a really cool job. (laughs) You know, like you wake up early and you're like judging all these spirits and a bunch of different categories, you know, and everyone gets like, there's like the two that you're like, oh, crap. Like the first things you have to taste are like vodkas and like typically like flavored vodkas. And then like at the end of the day, like you just want to get out of there. You have like palate fatigue. All you want to do is just like crush a beer. And uh, Mm -hmm. but then like at the end of the day, like they throw everyone has to judge the RTD category. And like (laughs) and it's like always the worst. Because of what you just said, you know, like there, these things, have, like Souther said, these things have it exi- have existed for quite some time now, but oh, no yeah. one's like really dialed them in, and I, you know, that's because like all these companies that have done it have just done it because they saw an opportunity, but you got to right. trust bartenders yeah. to make these drinks,
5: yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're leading with convenience instead of leading with taste. That's like one part of the puzzle,
2: and they're like, oh, people will buy this because they don't have to make the drink themselves, or or they can have it anywhere, and they don't think about filling out the other side of it. And yeah, now the category is uh, growing, but uh, as we remark a lot, like a lot of them, and because this is how it has to be done, you have to have a license to produce spirits, you can't just buy a bottle at the liquor store and then like batch a, co- I mean batch a cocktail and then sell it at a different liquor store. You know what I mean? That's not legal. You need a license right. to produce spirits. So most of the RTDs are made by spirits producers, um, and some of them may be great at making spirits, but that they know how to do that. They don't make cocktails, and as we all know, it, it, it takes a long time to really perfect it, um, <clears> to <throat> get good at it, um, or know how to how to troubleshoot a cocktail. You know and I think that that's something that we're hoping will make a difference with our product is that, you know, we've been uh, obsessing about perfecting cocktail recipes for decades. That's what we do. Um, and not many co- companies out there are uh, have that background.
5: Yeah, agreed. You touched a little bit on, on on legality issues. What are the legality issues between you know I'm an owner of a bar as well, and you guys own a bar. How does that work between owning a bar and selling a a, a product? Tom
6: and I are are not owners at the Clover Club. Our our spouses own the Clover Club and <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and-
5: good old good old loopholes. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs>
6: So that's what we'll say about
1: that.
5: Yeah, fair we enough. We'll let, we'll run let that the one then.
6: Yes, we run the Clover Club, but we're, yeah. our, that's our, it. Our, my lawyer, my lawyer said, uh, just don't forget birthdays and anniversaries. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Keep it, keep it tight. Yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's great when did uh because it it launched during all of this and i feel like time is in this crazy like state of flux state of flux at all at all points what what was the date that you finally launched uh uh, this this years-long process
6: We we were actually supposed to launch in april uh, yeah. Which, obviously, we you know we ended up losing some of our funding because some of the people that invested were bar industry people who then were like, yeah. "Oh, I can't invest in this anymore." We you like know? launched.
2: We finished our pitch deck at like the end of February, like <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, and so yeah. and you know, a lot of the plan was. Um, you know, hotels, sporting arenas, you know, airplanes, you know, like that, and that was all in the deck. And then all of a sudden, it was like, this isn't going to work. So we, yeah, we, we sort of went. Right, you're
5: like a cooler down on the beach. Right. I'm going to sell it out of those. Right, right, you know, it
6: by yourself. Yeah, you can still right.
5: <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly,
2: option. you can drink it alone. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was it was a little more of uh, friends and family, to be honest. I mean, I. Um, I, uh, I had a group of f- high school friends that I'm on this text thread with, uh, kind of randomly, and you mean old you know, old high like, school friends? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no not, <laughs> not, not, current not current high school, high school students. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, they, you know, it was when we everyone was talking, and frankly, pretty scared about everything. And I was like, about the, they were looking at the stock market and talking about that, and I was joking. I was like, hey, who wants to invest in a cocktail company? of joking because i was just like i mean it was really crushing because we had you know as i just said just worked so hard to get to this point i just felt like you know i i often i often want to say sisyphus but i don't want to say sisyphus because he never's done with his work he never gets that boulder over the hill but like uh it just felt like it just it was never-ending work to get this thing launched and then the pandemic happened and i was like i can't believe this this whole thing is going up in smoke anyway These guys uh, rallied around and and chipped in some money, and we were able to get enough to get moving on our first run. And it slowed things down, but we were able to launch uh, by August August 1st. Um, Julie and I started hitting the streets. And, uh, I mean, you can't sell door-to-door anymore. You can't just cold call people. So it's setting up appointments with liquor stores. We're mainly looking at liquor stores right now because the category is... Smart. uh exploding a lot you know so that right now there's a few spots in Brooklyn um, that were uh, carried at and I've uh, got some samples out to others. I just dropped two more off right before we started talking today and yeah that's how how we're going about it so far.
5: Are you s- since all that kind of happened and you had people back out and you got some new people to get on board, did you get back up to the funding you were looking for? are you still seeking out investors or how does that how's that part working?
6: We um, did. Uh, we yeah. we we got back up to where we needed to be to launch. Um, and the idea is that we're you know we're going to launch. We're launching in New York, New Jersey uh, right now, and then you know and getting the word out and getting some, getting the cans in people's hands so that we can get have people taste it, taste them. We think they're the best ones on the market. Uh, and then we'll do a, a much bigger raise to try to go. You know. Go all so over big. the United States. Go yeah. big or go home, you know? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's
6: nice to be able to focus on something that we can actually grow in the current, you know, situation. Because the bars are, as you know, as we were saying, it's kind of a depressing uh, state right oh, now. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, as we've said, the early days in, in March and in April, if uh, it was it was really good to have social hour as a as a something even though it wasn't going exactly how we hoped uh, to hold on to to keep working on it was it was definitely good to have that
3: yeah well i i i actually want to ask a quick question about the name now that you've said it again because i have to be honest uh i had to check myself i almost called them social distancing cocktails by accident <laughs> when i introduced you guys
5: oh, just because totally.
3: just because that's That that's been such a big term that's out there. And it seems like uh, I I think you said this off the break. It seems like a little bit that the because of everything that's going on, the ball is bouncing a little bit your way. Do you think with everyone being conscious about social distancing and rethinking what it means to be social in general, that that's actually been, uh, you know, a little bit of a lucky break for you guys?
2: Maybe I mean at first I definitely was like right when social distancing because it became like starting being part of the zeitgeist I was like ah this is really bad like you know (laughs) this is our whole project hey you don't
3: have it as bad as a certain beer company.
2: (laughs) (laughs) totally but yeah I was like no no like social everything is going to be something everyone hates and it's going to be the the associate but but yeah once it became part of this cultural sort of whether we like it or not this cultural movement of of how we conduct ourselves I think it speaks to it and you know the the really the short answer is social hour is what my family has always called cocktail hour and at family gatherings it's time Ah. for social hour and so my grandparents always used and so I have been using Social Hour, I had a website, like a blog essentially, for a couple years, it was called Social Hour, and um, it just was, it really encapsulated how I felt about cocktails and their value, it's like how what I wanted to put out into the cocktail world, like personally. So when we were batting names around a year or two ago, it was sort of like, well what about the name of your website, it just seemed to really, uh, yeah, say exactly what we wanted to say. So we went, we were going with that, and then this all happened, and uh, so yeah, it's been very surreal. Um, but I, I do think it still, it still works, um, for, it still works. And, you know, in the social distancing world, you can still do social hour and you can do it remotely. You know, um, it's all about just connect cocktails, ability to connect people, which is something we really value, uh, about running bars, you know, and something we love about it. So it still works on totally, the, two levels, I think.
3: Yeah. And I I've personally been saying since the beginning that I think social distancing is bad branding. I think it, I always think it should have been physical distancing because <sighs> we're having yeah. to, you know, re rethink, you know, you can be physically distant but socially close to people totally. in ways that aren't, you know, yeah. exactly what we're used to, certainly not what we would like, but it's still possible and necessary to connect with people in a way and I think it's good to have, Absolutely. you know, that image of what it means to be social out there.
2: Right, that's a good point I haven't thought of that, because you're right, it's like they're not saying don't socialize, you know they're just saying do it from a distance Yeah, um,
5: yeah. yeah I, I, I agree with Greg, I've, I've been on the phone with more of my friends from both here in New York and, and all over the country and world more in the past five months than I probably have in the past five years yeah. so I feel like in a, in, a, in an odd way I've been socially closer to my friends over this time than, I've, than I have been uh, in normal in normal times yeah. I just pulled up uh, your website right here social hour welcome to the new craft cocktail revolution yeah. bar stool optional I love that um, and I'm looking at the cans themselves. Uh, they're beautiful. Who who designed them and who, who kind of came up with these designs?
2: Um, this guy, uh, a company called Ebbing Branding uh, started by this guy, Matt Ebbing. Um, and that's, you know, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> it's like, uh, which I will not take you on, but basically, yeah, it was kind of like, oh, right, we got to figure out how these are going to look. I mean, we, you know, we're not, obviously the cocktails were the most important thing to us, how good that they tasted perfect, but, you know, we're not oblivious to the fact that these things needed to look great too. And, and, you know, the goal has always been a great product and a great package. So, you know, it was just looking around online on Pinterest, you know, you'd find a product that you really like. Sometimes you plug that into Pinterest, see what comes up. Sometimes you could Google, you know, the product and find the company that actually designed it. Um, and in the case with Matt, uh, you know, we I found him, uh, he, it wasn't a product that he had done, but I just, I liked what I saw. I stumbled across it and, we got on the phone. He was the first person I talked to. So, you know, every stage of this project has been like, well, I've never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing, you know? Um, so, uh, and that was the same with, with that. I'm like, I have no idea how to interview a designer, you know, don't know what I'm asking for. But he he just, it, was, it just felt perfect right away. And maybe I was like, well, maybe they're all going to feel like this. But uh, he really just... He just spoke about how the, prod, the product needs to connect connect with people on an emotional level and, and not just have it look really great, but like, I guess not connect with people directly necessarily, but connect with how you feel about the product and what it means to you, what you want to put out into the world. It was all about, um, you know, the North Star of what you're trying to achieve. And so he helped us clarify that. I don't think we even had a name at that point. Um, and so, uh, and then, you know, he came with five different uh we worked with them uh on a variety of things but he came with five different options and uh julie uh, christine and sue and i were all we all were like oh yeah number five which is very close to what it is now uh he just knocked it out of the park
6: yeah and i you know early on too i um you know i i live in park slope and i started talking to some of the park slope moms that i know who buy you know Rose, you know, wine and they, they buy canned, canned wine and different canned cocktails. And I started sort of interviewing them and saying, so what made you choose this one? You know, <laughs> why did you pick that one? And one of the number one things was they were like, it looked, it looked fun. You know, the, the packaging was fun and, and it looked like it was going to be delicious and, you know, so, but the initial purchase was so a, a very, very branding and packaging, um, Forward, and that was sort of why they chose it and then they take it home and if they liked it then they bought it over and over again um, so you know we wanted to make sure that that the cans didn't take themselves too, the, the design didn't take itself too seriously that it looked like a good time and you know was, was fun.
5: Yeah, I mean to me Yeah, I mean da- Damon Damon's hammered this notion into my yeah. head over the years. I still think I'm I'm hard-headed about it, but but yeah, uh, you know, Damon has a design background and and if you, if if they have if they have no idea what's in the can, you got to get the can in their house right. and in their hand. Right. Uh, so so that that's your only marketing ploy, yeah. right? The right. can itself. The, the design is the marketing it ploy.
4: It also looks like something you could grab. It like it looks fun, like Julie said. You know, mm-hmm. and obviously we want to have fun. And if it's social <laughs> hour, it goes with it. Yeah, but it also looks really cool. clean. You know, like the color... Uh, that's what I was going to say.
5: They look real clean. And also, it.
4: like, you can kind of tell that it's done by, like, real cocktail people because it's got, like, some legit, like... Uh, I like the Brooklyn Bridge on it, but also I like that there's a actual, like... Uh, like Shakers and jiggers. I don't know how much you have to pay Greg Baum to use that imagery. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> Hopefully
2: he's not listening. Bomb <laughs>
5: get like, is- Baum no, it really like, gets his cut. But no, it's get around. But it's it's really clean, but also like
4: the the soft font, like the soft script font on the social hour looks just like it's like, all right, cool. This is like chill. We're gonna hang out. Yeah. My my thing like with, with cane cocktails that I always have to ask is when are the koozies gonna be made? <laughs> oh,
5: yeah <laughs>
2: You no, know, it's. Uh, I've definitely done some my fair share of googling on koozies. There's not a lot of uh, the eight point four ounce. Uh, the slim cans, can, yeah. The slim cans. They yeah. have the slim cans for the twelve ounce, but uh, right. But anyway, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, but we've that. thought about it. Yeah, yeah. We may, yeah, may have to engineer some of those.
4: As someone uh, who uh, has a lot of koozies made for Grand Army, I can definitely offer my assistance on that. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Yeah, because that's uh, that's some that's a definite piece of swag that that obviously matches right up to the product. Yeah, for right,
6: sure. We gotta you get got you guys get you guys some samples also, so you can give a, give them a try. Oh yeah, yeah i would love to. That.
2: Yeah, I uh, yeah no, I'll totally get on that. I've got them right in front of me. Um, yeah, I was I was saying too. Just I think the the can like. Well, whatever. It's just like when you're designing these things, you know, you, you learn all about the different metrics. And what was nice was that like a third of the can is all the government mandated stuff. And then there you have yeah. two more thirds. And so I think what they, they did that was really smart was that they, you say like there's one side that looks very clean and says what it is, what the brand is, what's in it. And then the other side is just like this big explosion of fun stuff with this is the Brooklyn Bridge and all that stuff. And I think that was, you know, that's all on Matt's team. Um, but, uh, it, it really helps to have, you know, you assembling a good team and, and not just thinking you can do it by yourself, which is a problem that I sometimes have. Uh, I think that's a
5: problem all of us yeah. in our business have, right? We're all very alpha and we want to we want to you know handle every part of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's good it's good when you can finally find those people to rely on and step away from some of those parts.
6: I think one of the harder things um with the canned cocktails uh, you know that that are out there is that a lot of the, like the general public who aren't necessarily cocktail industry people, they don't understand what the difference is between malt and actual totally. spirits you know a little, oh sure, sure this is a huge debate yeah, huge and debate there's a lot of these like i've seen like you know in hawaii i'm from hawaii you know and you go into the abc store and they have the canned cocktails that are there and and you'll see like where you know some of these other some of these brands will make you know canned cocktails and it looks like it's a margarita but it's actually malt beverage there's no tequila in it at all You know, and so I think educating the public on what they're actually buying is going to be part of our process.
2: Yeah, I think that. Yeah, for sure. And I think the more the products that hit the market uh, that are making that argument, I do. I hope that that will be a distinction that people start to make. But you're right. People think a lot of people probably don't realize that White Claw is essentially beer. They probably think it's a vodka soda. You
5: know? Yeah. Oh, they absolutely do, and this is a debate we've talked about many times. And uh, I wanted to bring this up uh, in a in a casual way, and so here we go. Um, <laughs> what does that mean for price point of your product? Because because you're using an actual spirit, which is a, a, um, a, a malt it, beverage, how do you how do you keep it in that zone where people want to buy it? And then another question that's a little bit maybe out there: um, what how many calories are in each can? Because I know this is a big thing that the totally. consumer wants to know as well.
2: Well, with the With the price point thing, I mean, even if we were like we're going to make white claw but with vodka, same proof, same flavors, it's just going to have vodka but not be malt, and that's going to be our differentiation strategy. We'd have to charge two or three more dollars a can purely on taxes alone. Um, So uh, there's just no way to uh, to navigate that um, to, to basically to get down on that pricing level. So. Luckily, that's not what we were trying to do. Um, we really, ours was about making a great product first and then seeing where things landed. Obviously, the economics were important, but uh, we kind of let the process guide us there. So we're looking at like uh, about $5 a can and $20 for a four pack. So it's kind of carving out like, sort of an upper level niche in the RTD category, which we sort of think is underdeveloped. Um, we think that uh, there's room for a more premium type of RTD, and as people understand more the difference of why does this cost this and this cost that, um, that they'll understand why it's absolutely a great deal to have four cocktail bar quality craft cocktails around a round of four for 20 bucks. Um, and, uh, the second, yeah, you're yeah.
5: not you're not alone in, in you're not alone in, in jumping into that category at that level. You know, uh, we've had Aaron Polsky on a few times. I'm sure you guys know that guy. Uh, yeah. He's got his his la- his launch uh, just happened right kind of before all this nonsense as well with live wire drinks, and that's that's one of the hurdles he's having to try and overcome. Is again, the consumer simply isn't. Uh, I mean, I hate to call them out, but they're just not savvy enough to understand that. Like, like you said, they all. I think the majority of the consumer thinks that a White Claw is a vodka soda, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely a beer. Yeah that's um, engineered to taste like a vodka soda. Um, and, so, and so people can't get over their minds like, why am I paying you know $2 for this canned cocktail and $5 for this one? And I'm sure that's a massive hurdle for you to overcome, but you've got name recognition. Uh, hopefully that'll help.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, what was the second – I'm sorry, Sutherland. What was the second part of your question, your original question? Uh,
5: uh who knows who knows it's, it's more <laughs> of a comment than a question <laughs> yeah i mean i just I, it, it's just a, a anyway you yeah know, again i'm i'm the doom and gloom guy so i'm thinking to myself man how do you convince someone that this is worth the price when when they don't really even get that you're trying to say i'm selling you either a, a, a gallon size growler of beer or a gallon size bottle of, of whiskey well, They don't see the difference
2: I, I do think that part of it is like you know the uh, people often talk about finding your niche. Well, it's two things, dominate your backyard. So it's like people around Brooklyn, they, they, they say, uh, it's like people around Brooklyn, they do know Clover Club and they know Julie. So there is some name recognition there. So there's some value to be had there. Um, but uh, also it's that, you know about, I think, finding your niche and really dominating it. Uh, I don't think that we're ever gonna compete on the scale of White Claw in terms of how broadly appealing it is. Um, because, uh, but uh, I do think that there's a lot of people that A, probably haven't come over to Spike Seltzer cause they're like, cause they don't think it's that great. Um, and then the people that are like, eh, Spike Seltzer's not that great. Um, and that they understand, there are definitely people that understand the value of a great cocktail. And I, you know, we have, as we said, went to such lengths to make them gen- genuinely cocktails you would get in a cocktail bar. I just don't think that really exists in a big way in the market right now. And I, I think that when people taste it, they'll be like, no, you don't understand. This is a totally different. Um, but uh, yes, it's definitely going to be about messaging. And I think that's a question we're asking ourselves now is how do we get the word out? You know, how do we let people know that these are here? We know that they're good. We know that they look cool. Um, now we have to get lead people, uh, lead people to them.
5: Well, you start by going on the screen. I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> yes.
6: Thank you for, for uh, letting us yes. come on and dump all of our information.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of dump all the information, uh, where can people find you uh, if they want to follow up, ask questions? You know, you've got an Instagram you want to pimp or, or something we can put on the show notes for people to get in touch with you and see what the next steps are
6: absolutely yeah we do have so we're on on instagram it's social hour at social hour cocktails um we're on twitter uh at drink social hour um, I'm at Mi- Mixtress NYC on all things <laughs> and then uh, as far as uh, where you can find us currently, uh, we're available in Red Hook right now at Wet Whistle Wines um, Corey over there is, is selling our stuff, uh, we're also at Smith and Vine, you can come by clover club as well and purchase uh purchase all three of um, the cocktails as well
2: yeah heights chateau should be getting theirs tomorrow on atlantic um i know uh i was just talking to alan earlier that he uh i think either got them or is getting a, he's getting four cases of each for the shanty tomorrow um and like i said we have a uh several you know Pending waiting to get the orders in like literally the it's all still very early days. The spritz literally like was cleared Like this late morning to be shipped. They're like we can't ship it. I'm like it should clear and then it did (laughs) so it's but uh It's it's like yeah very much like at at the moment like moment to moment Um, And uh, yeah, and we're reaching out to more people every day Um, We are I wish we could say exactly when but we are uh, gonna have the ability any day now uh, to go to socialhourcocktails.com which is our website and there'll be a shop page on there where uh, anyone in New York State initially just New York State can order it to be shipped anywhere in the state Um, oh wow uh, yeah and then you can order delivery to anywhere in Manhattan in Brooklyn through the website so um, we're just getting that uh, set up as we speak Um, and so it should be any day now Um, obviously I'll let everybody know uh, uh, so th- that'll be great because yeah, you know, it's hard for people to get places in, in normal times and now uh, obviously it's
5: uh, uh, yeah, a challenge, we're
2: so we're looking forward to sharing it with everybody, I know that uh, we could, there's definitely people that are interested
5: Guys, we are rushing right up to the end of this show. Uh, It's really great to have the both of you on and talk about uh, everything that's going on with the bars and the pandemic, and also uh, following up with uh, uh, social hour cocktails, which look amazing. and I can't wait to get one in my hands and in my face. Frankly, (laughs) Um, you know, it's it's been hot and muggy and gross, and a a frosty cold gin tonic cracked out of a can sounds like right up my alley. So love to get a hold of we will, one we will send um, some
6: over to you and, uh, we will thank you so much for having us on the show thank you I miss seeing your faces Damon same Damon, yeah. Damon Souther. Damon was always at and yeah, I, uh, I I really miss seeing you guys oh man yeah, yeah. me too
5: Yeah. Thanks. Soon enough. thanks
2: for letting me uh, thanks for letting me can you guys for an hour <laughs>
6: <laughs> the secret's out Tom yeah <laughs> no,
2: I knew it
5: Right. I
0: didn't want
2: to talk about
5: the
0: cans. So all right, uh, <laughs> all right, thank
6: all right.
0: you, guys.
5: Uh, well, we've got yeah, we've got a heart out today. So, Damon, why don't you take yeah. us out, guys? Stay on the line so we can finish up the uh, off the air stuff.
4: Cool. Uh, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one, except not as fun. And click on the beating heart <laughs> to donate to the station. Uh, again, check out Social Hour Cocktails. Julie, Tom, I really miss you guys, too. Can't wait to see your faces uh, and can't wait to try your your awesome new drinks. Uh, as always, I, you guys are the best cocktail people in the world. So I can't uh, – I just can't wait. I can't wait. Um, and until then, everyone, cheers. Cheers, everybody. Thank cheers, you.
3: Cheers, everyone. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save you.
5: The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio.